Thank you, Chris. You can be seated. Once again, welcome this morning to Christ Church. Um, If we have not met, my name is Jeremy, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I am honored and privileged to be able to share God's word with you this morning. So grab your Bibles, go over to Matthew chapter 18. If you've been with us over these last few months, you know that we are in a series studying the book of Habakkuk. And every once in a while, we, we take a jump out and we, we've been looking at various different parables. And, and looking at a parable that Jesus told, diving into it, kind of dissecting it. How does this apply to our lives? And today we're going to do the same thing. We're going to be in the parable of the unforgiving servant. It's over in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read verses 21 through 25. And the title of the message today is this, free to forgive, free to forgive. Now, when you hear the word forgiveness, I don't know what that brings up in you. Um, That's exactly what Jesus' parable is about today. That's what the context is about. I want to assure you that it's a good thing. Um, and that God would, would want for us to be people that are, are quick to forgive, experiencing the freedom of forgiveness. And we're going to talk more about that as we go along today. Now, as, as we begin to think about this passage, I want you to, uh, and maybe you've already started to do it, when we say the word forgive, maybe there's somebody or there's something that happened recently, a while ago, there's a person in your mind. It's like, you know, okay, this is the person Right away, when, when somebody who's wronged me, somebody who's, who's hurt me, who's sinned against me, it could be someone close, it could have been a friend, it could have been a parent, it could be a spouse. I mean, it's any one of a number of people it could be. And when you think about who they are and what they did, there's, there's a hurting and there's an anger. There's kind of like this clenched fist, like, man, if I had a chance to, to talk to that person, I don't know what I'd do. You know, and and there's a desire deep within, like we want to be free. We want to be free from hurts and pains and offenses. But there's something in us that just wants to hold on and do it our way. Like, but I'm not going to let go. The the idea of forgiving, forgive them? Are you serious? Forgive them? That's crazy. Well, we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to look at Jesus speaking directly to that issue. Now, we're in a season of of talking about and discussing repentance. And each week, we have a repentance guide that you can find on our website, or if if you prefer the paper copy, it's on the booth on your way out, you can grab that. But this kind of falls right in in line with this season of repentance and contemplating and thinking about, God, what areas of my life do I need to turn and repent of? Where am I trying to hold on to, cling to control, and not surrender to you? And so Jesus is actually, in this whole text of of Scripture, people are asking him questions. He's talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven, and and he's trying to correct wrong thinking and worldly thinking. And so Jesus tells stories, and, and, and he's likening the kingdom of heaven to like a certain thing. And so today we're going to jump into this parable. And and I want you to kind of look at this through the lens of repentance. Look at this through the lens of kingdom thinking. We're, we're Christ followers. We're disciples of Jesus, so when he says it, we do it. We listen to what he says. Now, and just to kind of set up the context here, it's, it's a teaching where Jesus is, is correcting wrong worldly thinking with kingdom thinking. The kingdom of heaven is like this. <clears throat> Peter, um, Peter asks Jesus this question, kind of coming out of verses 15 through 20, where Jesus is dealing with, if somebody sins against you, like if somebody wrongs you and hurts you, here's what you do, you go to that person, You tell them this is what you've done. If they don't listen to you, you bring somebody else with you. 
you, you bring along people. If they don't listen to you, then you bring it to the church and the authority, and then the church if, if deals with it. And if they still don't listen, then you treat them as a, a sinner or a tax collector. Basically, what Jesus is saying is go through a process, and not all relationships can be reconciled. It really takes two people to be reconciled. And if, if somebody is hardened and unwilling to forgive and come back into reconciliation, then you forgive, yes, but you, you can have boundaries around relationships. You don't have to trust everybody equally. Not everybody has the same place of, of ultimate, you know, complete access to you in relationship. So then Peter jumps up and he's like, well, let's just pick up the story here in verse 21. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive from your heart. Let's pray. There's a lot there. Uh, Lord, we approach this this morning just out of an honor and respect for you and wanting to understand what you're talking about here and how you call us to forgive. And so I pray for each person today. I know that every everybody's story is different. And so Holy Spirit, we're trusting you to um, to lead and to guide each one of us as to how this applies personally, but would we just see the truth of this passage, Jesus, that you're teaching us this morning? Would we hear your, your words, you speaking to us, and us responding and following you? And it's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Peter came up and he said, how often? How often will my brother sin against me as many as seven times? And so Peter's kind of thinking like, okay, understand that the, the going teaching of the day was that you could forgive, you had to forgive someone three times. And then after three times of forgiving them, it was like, okay, I don't have to forgive you anymore. So Peter, in classic Peter fashion, is like, Jesus, I'm willing to forgive someone up to seven times. And Jesus was like, wow, I'm impressed with you, Peter. That's incredible. Like, you're so forgiving. And Jesus is like, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven or 77 times. A few translations say it differently. The point being... There's not an end to forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't have a terminating limit. It's not like, okay, I've done my forgiving. No, forgiveness goes on and on and on and on and on. Now, I know that raises questions, but then what about this and what about that? Just be patient, be patient. We're gonna get there, okay? Three times was the teaching, and what this shows us is that our human effort falls far short of, of divine 
expectation and divine nature. Jesus is teaching that forgiveness has no end, but forgiveness is what breaks the cycle of revenge and retaliation. Otherwise, it's just a self-perpetuating cycle. Maybe you've experienced that. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, again, here were kingdom thinkers, may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. As Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, we don't think according to the world's standards. For, for, some, for me to stand up here and be like, you should forgive people who've sinned against you. In a worldly way of thinking, it's like, that's crazy. Why would I do that? And Jesus is like, you forgive up to 70 times seven times. Kingdom thinking always collides with worldly thinking. So let's take some inventory today. Am I, am I a kingdom thinker or am I thinking according to myself and my, my little kingdom or am, I thinking, or am I thinking according to the kingdom of God? Verse 24, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Um, if you remember from times past, as we've taught, a talent is a unit of measure of, of weight. It was the largest denomination of money. 10,000 talents was an extravagant amount of money. Upwards of, some would guess, as high as $6 billion. So somehow, this guy got a credit card and racked up, I mean, some of you all have racked up some credit card debt. I don't think anybody's got to $6 billion yet, right? Nobody, but I'm sure somebody would if allowed. If the credit card limit was that high, you probably would, right? $6 billion. That's what happens when you keep the kids in the service. <laughs> they interact. I like it. That's great. That's great. Around $6 billion. So it was an unpayable debt, though. The point being, there was no way he could ever pay it. It was so large, under the best conditions, he would never even probably be able to pay the interest back, let alone the debt itself. In verse 25, since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had in payment to be made. Now, this was a common practice in the day. If you had amassed a debt, you couldn't pay it, um, they would sell your property, and ultimately they could even sell you into slavery and your wife and your children. Interesting to note, this could be a message in and of itself, that when it comes to the debts that we owe and forgiveness, it doesn't just affect us. You see, there's, there's things that dads, moms, that you may hold on to, or maybe have even been passed down to you through the generations, that are due to this very thing right here. You're paying the price because of what somebody else has done. And you're, 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 what your actions actually affect and have a fallout in your family. The good news is that cycle can break. That generational cycle can break today. And I'm praying and hoping and believing in Jesus' name that there's going to be some things that have gone on for way too many years that even this morning, by the power of Jesus' name and his word, will be broken in people's lives. And there will be freedom and there will be healing and a whole new uh, set of fruit from generations to come. That can happen by God's power. And that's why this is so important. That's why this is such a big deal to God. Okay? So this was this unpayable debt. He couldn't pay it. He was ordered to be sold and his wife and his children... Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience and I will pay you everything. It's like, right, <laughs> just be, I just need more time. No, no, you owe $6 billion. It's not a matter of time. You can't pay it. It's unpayable. It's too much. In the best of circumstances, let alone being in prison <laughs> where you can't work, you're never going to be able to pay it. Verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released and forgave him the debt. This is the point of the, the parable here. This is what we're really 
Jesus is really getting to. It's, it's God's compassion toward us. This parable, the master represents God and the, the servant who has an unpayable debt is us. It's every one of us. We have an unpayable debt to God. Our brokenness and what we've done against him is beyond what we could ever pay him back. And in this parable, we see the master moved with compassion and with love. And what he says in this is amazing. He was moved with compassion. He said, I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna release the debt. Ultimately, he said, you can't pay it. I'm going to absorb it myself. I'm going to make the payment for you because you can't. And in an unfathomable act of grace and mercy, he forgave this servant. God could not have paid a higher price for your freedom. In fact, reconciliation with God was so costly, it cost him the life of his son for him to be reconciled to us. It was not a cheap thing. It was not an easy thing. It was a debt that we could never, never pay. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. But look in verse 28, the story goes on when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and, and he see, and seizing him began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. Now a hundred denarii is, is not six billion dollars, but it's somewhere in the ballpark, they, they guess around $12,000. Now I don't know about you, but if someone owes me $12,000, I'm like, that's not a small debt, right? It's not insignificant. That's, I care about being paid back $12,000. But, but in comparison to $6 billion, it's a drop in the bucket. It doesn't even compare. It's, it's not insignificant, but it's not comparable. And he, and he takes this other servant, begins to choke him, which you see is violence and this revenge and this retaliation, this merciless ruthlessness, like, you pay me what you owe me. And the, the fellow servant said, I have patience, I'll pay you back. He probably could have paid him back. But verse 30, he refused and he put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And, and, and when I read that, I go, man, isn't that just us though? Isn't that how we are? Like when it comes to what people have done wrong to me, man, I feel that. When I feel sinned against, man, I, I, you better believe you're gonna know if you've sinned against me but how dull and how insensitive I am toward those who maybe I've sinned against and hurt, and for sure, ultimately, God. There's this major disconnect. This is what we do in our worldly thinking, and when we don't have a kingdom mindset, is we're really, really heavy on those who've sinned against us, and we're really, really light on our own sin. Are you convicted by that? I know that I am. When, when I think about what I've been forgiven of, sometimes it's like, man, I think I'm a pretty good guy. I haven't been forgiven of that much. No, it's an unpayable debt. Jesus had to go to the cross because of my sin, and I have no hope of reconciliation with God apart from his payment and what he did for me. We're so, but we're so keenly aware of how we've been wronged, and we want them to be punished, and we want them to pay us back, you know? When the fellow servants saw this, verse 31, they, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. I mean, this, this should cause a sense of distress in us when we see this happening. 
Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. You pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant? And this is key, highlight this, as I had mercy on you. This is, this is the point of the parable right here. This is where the, the, the thing is hammered home. When it comes to forgiveness, Peter's like, well, isn't, like, if I forgive seven times, isn't that pretty good? I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm a forgiving guy seven times, man. That's twice as much plus one of what everybody expects. And Jesus is like, it has no end. The way that your heavenly Father has forgiven you is far greater than what, than what you'll ever have to forgive somebody else. And in his anger... That's not a great place to be. You don't want the, the master to be angry with you. He delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly father, these are sobering words. Look at this in, in verse 35. So also, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother, I want you to underline, highlight these words, from your heart. That's weighty. We're going to talk about that. How do you do that? This should instill a healthy fear of God. In his anger, he delivered them to the, to the jailers. Now, the jailers, that word means torturers in prison until the whole debt is paid from your heart, not lip service, not some quick, like, snap reflexive action, but a deep, heartfelt decision to forgive. Here's the big idea and we're going to talk just a few practical things like, so how do you do this? Forgiveness makes you free. Forgiveness makes you free. Forgiveness makes me free. Now, first, forgiveness makes us free, free from guilt and shame and condemnation and ultimately rejection by God. Because God's forgiven you and he's forgiven me, we are free of the debt that we owe him. Jesus paid it for us. It also keeps us free from offenses that others would commit against us. It keeps us free from, from getting hung up and stuck in a place of hurt and pain and bitterness when we're able to forgive others. But forgiveness is, is work. It's a choice, and we're going to talk about that. Maybe you're here today, and you're in one of three places. Maybe you're hurting. As we talk about this, you're like, man, something even happened last night, yesterday, today. I mean, it's fresh. You're like, I just feel like I'm really hurting because of what's happened, that what that person did, what that person said. Maybe you're here and you're not hurting, but you're healing. You're in the process and, and you're like, I'm trying to do this, but it, sometimes some days are better than others. And, and when I think about what happened, it's still kind of, it still hurts and it still makes me angry. Or maybe today you're not hurting, you're not healing, but maybe you're hardened and you're unwilling and your heart is, is hardened towards God. And my prayer is that, that God's word and his spirit would, would bring conviction and would, would shatter the hardness of heart. You know, our hearts, when we're hurt, our, our hearts are wounded and it's like a wound that festers and never heals. And sometimes we need help with that. I want you to know sometimes it's okay to reach out and be like, I'm really hurting. I've, I've, I feel like I've been traumatized. I'm in a bad place. And that person, what they did and what they said wounded me deeply and I need help. And it's okay to reach out and ask for help. Forgiveness is the key to healing. Forgiveness is the key to freedom. Forgiveness makes you free. So here's just kind of our first practical thing. 
Okay, when, when it comes to forgiveness, because it's nice, the parable and meant all that, yeah, how do I do this? Well, here's number one. This will help. Don't wait until you feel it. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not something that, you, that magically comes along one day and you're like, oh man, I just really love that person that broke into my house and stole all my stuff. Like, I just love that. No, what I feel is anger. And what I feel is bitterness. What I feel is, is hatred at times. Forgiveness makes you deal with your feelings. Forgiveness isn't a feeling, but it makes you deal with your feelings. We want revenge. We want them to pay for what they've done. And it makes us feel trapped. It makes us feel powerless. It makes us feel subject to that person. Like what they did holds this power over us. And in the sense of of entrapment, it can be very, very hopeless. But I, I want to encourage you and assure you today, there is a way out. And this is the way out. You don't wait until you feel it. It's a decision. You give up the right to hold it against them. Now, Forgiveness does not mean that at times there's, there's not a certain level of justice or recourse that has to happen. Because that person could go on sinning and just continue to damage and hurt other people. Forgiveness is not divorced from justice. It doesn't mean that you don't have, you don't have the ability to seek justice or recourse or restitution. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that you've released the debt to God and, and you trust him to serve justice. It doesn't mean you can't do anything. Forgiveness means this. It means I won't bring the offense up. Now, if I've brought it up, like in Matthew 18, 15 to 20, you bring it to the person. You walk through the whole process. But forgiveness is like, I'm not going to keep bringing this up. I'm not going to hold the debt. It's not bringing up the offense to others. I give up my right to bring it to others. Because when you do that, you're just staying in bitterness and gossip and slander and you're trying to just tear that person down. And ultimately, like, you've caused me so much pain and the way that you've hurt me, I want to hurt you back. It's retaliation. Jesus is like, that's not kingdom thinking. That will only perpetuate more and more and more and more. Somebody's got to break that cycle. I won't bring up the offense offense to myself. Now, the, the inner conversation is the hardest one. Man, because you, you re, we rehearse it over and over, do we not? Man, I remember going through a season in my life where it's like, I don't know what it was, but every time I mowed the lawn, there was something about mowing the lawn, and I just, I was like, <laughs> and somebody even drove by one time, and then they, they caught me like a day later. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. If I drove by and you were mowing the lawn, you just looked really angry. I was like, oh, I was. I was super mad. <laughs> something about mowing the lawn that's like makes you deal with your heart, right? You know? rehearsing over and over. I wish I would have said this, and if I had another chance, I'd do that, and here's what I'm going to say next time, and blah, 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 right? Rehearsing is re-hurting. Like when you bring it up, the inner conversation over and over and over, you're only re-hurting yourself. It's because of the pain. We want, we want to inflict pain because we feel pain, And forgiveness is like, bring the pain to me, would say Jesus. Bring that pain to me. It's not overnight. You see, forgiveness is is difficult. It takes hard work. That's why in verse 35, Jesus said, from your heart. 
if somebody's wronged you and in the first five minutes you're like, oh, I forgive them, you probably haven't really done like this work, right? You can tell what's going on in here by the inner conversation, by what you're thinking, by what you're feeling, by what you're wishing would happen. And I wish God would punish that person. And man, I'm hoping that their house burns down and I'm hoping that they get struck by lightning. And, and, and don't be surprised when God doesn't judge them as harshly as you do, right? Forgiveness is a deep work of the heart. It's authentic. It takes work. It's not cheap. It's not lip service. It's deep from your heart. But healing cannot happen without forgiveness. Your heart will not get healed. You will not experience freedom and joy. You can't be set free from the bondage of what that person's done to you if you refuse to forgive. We've got to let go. We've got to repent of that wrong way of thinking. Let me ask you a question. What, what wounds are currently festering in your heart? What's going on? What's the inner conversation? Who has wronged you? Who do you need to forgive from your heart before the Lord? And forgiveness, it's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's to, I'm, I'm deciding. My feelings are like, eh. But I'm, my decision is I forgive. And then tomorrow, when my feelings are still, eh, I still choose to forgive. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, forgiveness is what puts you on the pathway to healing. Okay? But it's not a, it's not a cheap work, but it, it definitely makes you free over time. Here's the second thing. So don't wait until you feel it. The second thing is this, set wise boundaries if needed. I would encourage you to go back and I kind of did a quick flyby of verses 15 through 20 in in chapter 18, but Jesus here is outlining like reconciliation rules in relationships, like knowing we live in a broken world, we should not be shocked, we shouldn't be surprised when this happens. Somehow, whenever it happens, I'm still like, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, like we shouldn't be too surprised. Like we're all screwed up, we're all sinners. We're very much in touch with how people have wronged us, and but we're so out of touch with how we've wronged others. and We shouldn't be surprised. So verses 15 through 20, Jesus talks about, here's what you do. Read this tonight. Go home and read it tonight. We're going to challenge you to do it. It's about healthy relationships. Forgiveness does not make wrong right. Forgiveness is certainly not the same thing as reconciliation or restoration. Forgiveness... Maybe you've heard, if you've heard a message on forgiveness before, people will say things like, forgiveness takes one and reconciliation takes two. True, I would take that a step further and go, no, forgiveness actually takes two. Not the other party per se, but forgiveness takes you and Jesus and you before Jesus being like, I, I cannot, I need your help. I need you to give me the ability to forgive because I don't have this within myself. It's not contingent upon them. You might be like, well, what if they've passed away or what if they're unreachable? What if I have no way of connecting? You can still forgive that person. You can still forgive. Maybe it's a parent that's long since passed and and you're like, I've had no ability to have closure or even have the conversation. You can still forgive and release the debt and you can still be healed and free. But it's gonna take you and Jesus. Reconciliation, so forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation, is not the same thing as restoration. We get these things confused. We think, well, if I forgive the person, that means that like I have to be like all buddy-buddy with him. No, it doesn't mean that at all. That, that really depends on their character and how they conduct themselves in the middle of an offense. That's what we see in verses 15 through 20. Reconciliation actually takes three. It takes you, the other party, and the Holy Spirit with a lot of grace 
and a lot of mercy and a lot of messes to clean up. And sometimes a lot of tears and sometimes a lot of words spoken out of anger, just just messy. And it takes time and it takes intentionality. That's reconciliation. Restoration takes three. Restoration takes a long time and effort. Over time, forgiveness leads to reconciliation, leads to restoration when you have two people who are humble before the Lord. See, broken relationships repaired can actually be stronger and more beautiful. I'm sure you've experienced this. It's not anybody who has any depth of relationship. Think about the person you're like closest with in life. Could be a spouse, could be a friend. I, I, you, you don't need me to tell you it's not because you've never had conflict with that person, right? It's because you've had conflict and actually conflict is the gateway to growth when it's done rightly because now you're actually getting to the heart. It's not conflict-free. It's the ability to work through it in a, in a humble and gracious manner, willing to accept the messiness of the process of like, man, we're so broken <laughs> I'm sorry I'm, I said that. That was so dumb of me and I'm selfish. And It takes two people being able to bring themselves into humility before the Lord. That's reconciliation. That's not always possible. That's why over in Romans, Paul said, as much as depends on you, you seek to live peaceably with all people. And then restoration is, is a process of that. So forgiveness is certainly not, reconciliation is certainly not restoration. But great relationships are not the result of Avoiding conflict, they're the result of leaning into it and navigating through it well. Remember, forgiveness makes you free. So you set wise boundaries. You don't have to let everybody close. Not everybody has to. Jesus said if they still don't hear you, hear you, treat them as, as a tax collector and an unbeliever. Basically, they're in a category that it's like, hey, I love you, praying for you, but we're not going to be close. We're just not. You, you and I cannot have unity because we're not right in Christ. Okay, here's the third thing, and this is really the big one. This is where we need to just soak and kind of spend the remainder of the time that we have together this morning. We don't wait until we feel it. We set wise boundaries if needed. And then here, this is really the emphasis of this parable. Consider your debt. If you're struggling to forgive, consider your debt. This parable exposes our inability. This parable puts in the right perspective our sin, how others have sinned against us, and, and how it ultimately is seen and judged before God. God showcases his incredible, amazing grace and mercy. And in our, the best of circumstances, we still owe God an unpayable debt. Now, Jesus could not have paid a higher price to reconcile us to God. And one day when we are in heaven forever with Jesus, we will forever be able to see the scars on his hands. We will forever be able to see what it cost God to reconcile us. It's not cheap. It's extremely expensive. As Jesus closes this parable, he says, if you do not, the, your father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He said, I had mercy on you and, and in his anger, he delivered them to the jailers, delivered them to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. The jailers, that means torturers. 
there's there's two kind of uh, meanings. There's a dual meaning there. One is, if you stay in a place of unforgiveness towards those who've hurt you and wronged you, guess who's the one who's in prison? I want so bad for them to pay. I want them to hurt. I want them to feel, and honestly, they probably are not at all, and yet you're the one who's hurting and embittered and imprisoned on the inside because of what's happened to you. The jailers, the torturers, more broadly, that means this. If you, if you are unwilling to forgive others how they've sinned against you, you don't realize how much you've sinned against God and you don't realize the debt that, that was owed by you. Consider your debt. That's a scary place to be. Take some inventory right now. How willing, how, how willing, and I'm not saying it's easy, it's hard. How willing am I to, to be a person who, who eagerly desires forgiveness and reconciliation? Come on, all we gotta do is, is look at the book. The, God's heart and his desire and his passion is that a broken world would be redeemed and would be reconciled. He is a God of reconciliation and healing and restoration. He doesn't just wad it up and throw it away. He wants to save it, to redeem it, to restore it. And if we go our own way of like, that's nice, but I don't care, I'm doing it my way. It is, it is straight disobedience against God. And it comes out of an, an align, a misalignment from not knowing his character. And what it may actually show is that you yourself have never actually been forgiven. Like you don't know what it means. You cannot, you cannot look into the face of God and go, God, my debt was billions of dollars and I could never pay it. And out of an act of love and mercy, Jesus, in your, your blood and your torture and your crucifixion, your blood was shed for me and you paid that debt. You absorbed it. How can we possibly look into the face of God and consider our debt and ponder what has been done for us and then go over here and be like, but I'm not forgiving that person. It doesn't work. If you've not received it, you can't give it. That's what Jesus is saying here. So I want to challenge you to take inventory. You're not saved by your ability to forgive or not forgive. Let's not go there, okay? It's not like, well, if, if you don't forgive, well, then you're going to hell. Well, no, if you don't forgive, what that's actually showing is a much greater problem. Maybe you don't understand or maybe you've never actually been forgiven yourself or maybe your heart's just so calloused that you've lost sight of God's grace and his mercy. Here's a, here's a dangerous prayer. I want to challenge you to pray this dangerous prayer. Lord, would you begin to show me, would you begin to reveal to me how much I've sinned against you? Because I'm light on that. I think I'm a good guy. But man, what that person did to me. God, would you begin to help me understand how costly my sin was for you to pay for? Come on, church, if we just, if we sit there and we just soak in that for a little bit, Man, forgiveness and grace and mercy, as we receive it, as we receive it from God, it begins to flow through us and we can, we can give it away freely. We have received freely, we should give. Forgiveness is what makes you free. Free from guilt and shame and condemnation, free from the rejection and the, the sentence of punishment by God. We're free to receive that from God. We're also free to give it away and, and able to forgive and to let go. Some things are 
Listen, some things are just petty and they're easy and it's like, hey, you've held on to that long enough. Just let it go. Some things are little and it's like, just stop. Just stop hanging out. Hold the grudge. Like, stop it. And then there's other things, though, that are, are massive and are deeply wounding and are significant. And there's some, there's some hard work to be done there. No matter the size of the debt, the call is still forgiveness. But let's spend some time considering even our own. Let's spend some time just in, in worship and thinking about how we've been forgiven so that we can forgive and we can experience healing and freedom. Let's pray together. Lord, this passage is challenging. It's, it's just deeply hard, depending at times on the debt, and we're not sure what to make of it. We're not sure how to, how to do this, but I thank you that you love us and you enter right into the messiness of our lives. Jesus, you did not run from the mess of this world. You ran right into it. You ran right to the cross. I pray for each person in these next moments. Holy Spirit, I don't know the individual stories, but you do. And I pray that today, maybe even today, through tears and through hurt that someone could utter for the first time, I I forgive that person. God, help me to forgive them. Would there be great freedom and great healing, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's stand and worship together.